Welcome to Engage on 101.5 UMFM. My name is Josh and I'm here with Kay Jones and we're talking to the lovely folks over at Mood Disorders Manitoba. Eileen, how are you doing today? Hi Josh, thanks so much both you and Caden for having us onto the show. I'm doing really well and I'm excited to be here. Sweet, thanks so much. And, and Rita, how's your day been so far? Well, it's uh, been an exciting day, lots of work. The day in the life of an ED is forever um, moving from one thing to another. But uh, again, I'll echo uh, Eileen's um, um, uh, comments that we are very much appreciative of uh, the invitation and are very happy to be speaking to your audience. Yeah, thank you so much. So as I said, you guys are here for representing Mood Disorder Associations of Manitoba. So if we could just get over a brief introduction and quickly go over what exactly Mood Disorders Manitoba is and what your purpose here is in the community. Well, I think I'll do a very sort of a high level oversight and Eileen is certainly the person who can do more detailed information and more specifically uh, when engaging with, uh, with the community. Mood Disorders is an association of Manitoba has been around for almost 40 years. We're very grassroots and by that I mean that we are here to help people really help themselves on their journey of wellness when they're dealing with mental health issues. We want to ensure that people are getting the right supports that they need. That is not to say that we provide clinical intervention because those are specialized areas where people need a medical or clinical intervention, but our model is based on peer support and it is a model based on lived or shared experience. So any of our programs are just that. They are peer support. And the idea is that you know, somebody who has had the same experience as one might be experiencing in their mental health journey, that they can be more engaged and understanding both empathetic towards um, those who are needing help. We try to ensure that if there is a need for clinical intervention or some other medical intervention of sorts, attention that's needed, we make sure that people are referred to those resources in the community. So we do work closely with the hospitals, with the organizations like clinic and other professionals so that we can refer people to them or at least give an individual the information that's needed to be able to reach out for that. I think maybe you can speak a bit more to the peer support piece because that's something that you you're more closely engaged in. Yeah, for sure. So I really like talking about peer support. I don't think a lot of people really understand what peer support is since it is kind of this newer concept that is being pushed out more into the community. But peer support has been defined by the fact that people, like Rita said, who have like experiences can better relate and consequently offer more authentic empathy and validation to people. So just kind of reiterating what Rita said about that. It's also maintaining a non-professional vantage point, which is crucial to helping people rebuild their sense of community when they've had a disconnecting kind of experience. And peer support is emotional and practical support between two people who share common experience, such as a mental health challenge or illness. So a peer supporter has lived through that similar experience and is trained to support others. And what we find with peer support, what it does is it actually reduces the emergency department wait times, inpatient admissions and readmissions. It reduces the length of inpatient stays and improves a patient and family experiences in crisis situations. It reduces hospital visits and it improves health outcomes. So it's it's really nice what Rita was saying too, how we also do referrals to clinical supports as well. I think that we need to integrate mental health on a more um, holistic approach and kind of have all those pieces going hand in hand and working together to give um, our clients the best kind of support that they can have. Mm, that's that's amazing. It's a, it becomes a partnership, right? So you're, you've got the individual who 
It may need some clinical or medical intervention and medical professionals handle that part. And then there's the additional support that comes from either the community or a peer support person. And then also with that is the importance of the family support that's needed for successful road to recovery. And I think those are the, the that's what Eileen talked about, the holistic approach that there's lots of layers of complexity uh, that one can look at when you're dealing with mental health. And so once all of those pieces start to fit in, it makes it a lot easier. And then of course, you know, there's things like basics, such as make sure that you have a place to stay, housing, food security, medical attention, clothing, and basic financials to be able to manage your day-to-day. Those are all things that, that really can and do impact people's uh, well-being. If you don't have a place to live, my goodness, the stress that you you know have on yourself, mm-hmm. and then, and on top of that, if you're dealing with a mental condition, that's just going to be exasperated. So it has to be very much a holistic approach to managing the road to recovery and wellness. Absolutely, absolutely. That's that sounds really amazing, especially the peer support model. That's something that you know, even just as a young person going forward and coming out of high school a couple of years ago. I know that that model works. Having someone who has a related experience to you and then can can then step in those shoes, I think that that's a great model to have. And having a holistic approach to mental health and having more focus on mental health is great. And I think that, yeah, you guys are doing great work. That's great to hear. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you so much. So for each of you individually, um, how long have you both been with the organization? Okay, I I guess I can start with that. I joined the organization last summer. I was in between jobs looking for new opportunities. I had suffered a job loss. It's about the time when a lot of people were experiencing job losses under the lockdown conditions of COVID pandemic uh, and everything else that was happening around us for the past year. So it was at that time that I came connected with through my own networks with Moods. I like what I saw. I Again, through a variety of interactions and conversations, I was invited to provide some contract work for most to really for a summer program that was being launched and then one thing led to another the conversations continued so formally as an executive director on a full-time basis I joined in December of 2020 and and here I am starting a new year a new fiscal year and so I'm, I'm very I feel very humbled and privileged to be part of an organization that really is one that's absolutely needed in this critical time in our global history. And I hired Eileen, so she can tell you more about uh, how long she's been here. Well said. And yeah, Eileen? Perfect. Yeah, so I joined um, Mood Disorders working in the MAD camp that Rita had mentioned. I believe it was last June or July, but it was in the summer as well. And then after the MAD camp was done, I moved into program administration, and then I moved into the women's programming coordinator. And actually, before I started the job here at Mood Disorders, I volunteered for two years prior to. So Moods has a very special place in my heart, that's for sure. And when we talk about the MADCAMP, our MADCAMP stands for Music, Art and Dance. And, you know, when I met Eileen for the first time to do an interview with her, I knew within 30 seconds that she was going to be the best fit for that program. So we were very happy to have her. And of course, she has uh, proven herself and and continued to provide coordination for the women's program, which is very much uh, one of our signature programs. Absolutely. So you both have been with the team through more or less the thick of the pandemic when everybody is going through amplified stresses compared to what everyone was accustomed to prior to the pandemic and everything. So what was that experience like working in an organization surrounding mental health as the world is heightening their stresses and everything with the pandemic? 
That's a great question. And um, I'm not sure I have all the answers for it, but, but I think what it was for me was an opportunity to be part of something that the world was now suddenly recognizing that was important. Up until the pandemic, yes, people talked about mental health. We've made a lot of progress in mental health. We've certainly, you know, people are more engaged. However, there was, and perhaps there still is to some degree, a lot of stigma around mental health. And all of a sudden to find myself in an organization that was so needed, I really considered that, and what I had just gone through myself, and I can talk a little bit about that perhaps a little bit later. What I had gone through, I felt I was in the right place at the right time. So for me, that became very meaningful. And that was really my first formal connection with the organization. Of course, I knew about mood disorders in previous from previous work that I had been involved with in the settlement sector, working with newcomers. So I, I knew about the organization very superficially, but not in the intimate way in which I got to know it once I actually got engaged. And what we were hearing from the people that were calling and what the need was out there, obviously people are dealing with uh, a lot with things like job loss, isolation, depression, anxiety, um, mm. just sadness and melancholy. You know, those were the kinds of things that we were hearing. And I will be upfront about that. I had experienced some of those just prior to coming to Mood. So it was a good fit for me at that time, and it continues to be because I've now been able to reach deeper into myself to, to see what was I going through. Of course, others are experiencing very similar, and how can I, in some small way, help to contribute to easing the stresses that, that we're all experiencing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, powerful. Wow. Eileen, do you have your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of adjustment to do, especially for my position, because for the women's program, we hold a women's wellness group where it's a six week program where we do yoga with the women, we do paint nights, we do walk and talks, book clubs, stuff like that to give them hobbies that they enjoy while still giving them a space to talk about their mental health. And we started that in person because the restrictions allowed for it. But in the middle of it, we had to switch everything online because restrictions started closing up. So it was an adjustment, but um, we still found that the clients all came to the online groups. There was a few who dropped out, I think with like technology and stuff, it's hard to serve the whole community community, but we are trying our best. And I think these adjustments become easier as we go on with it. And just hoping that the restrictions lift a little bit more for the summer so we can get back to in-person things since it it is quite different having an in-person meeting compared to online, but we work with what we have, right? Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Yeah. And I'll just add to Eileen's comments. She's given you lots of great details about it, but our women's mental health program or women's wellness program is really, is one of our signature programs. It is sponsored by shoppers and it is part of a national initiative to dealing with women's mental health. Shoppers Drug Mart chooses charities in different cities. Uh, There's 18 cities across the country. And in Manitoba, Mood Disorders is the charity of choice. And what it is, the funding that's raised through the Run for Women, which this year, by the way, is going to happen virtually again from July 4th to the 11th. And all the funds that are raised in in our community will all be dedicated to uh, running women's programming at Moods. And of course, Eileen is the coordinator for that. Right now, we're busy definitely promoting the Run for Women. But at the end of the day, what that does is really provide, uh, again, a very holistic approach to women's mental health. We have a number of areas that we focus on. In addition to the specific program that Eileen talked about, we have a, a speaker series. We have what we call postpartum warm line. 
and a new initiative. Uh, you know, we're we're looking at uh, piloting a, a program on eating disorders, and then there'll be some other ones that are in the works, which have resulted from some of the initial work that got started on the women's program. Though, and we will keep you updated as programs roll out. Wow. That's wonderful. How long has the women's program been running? I think it's been around for a few years. However, I think this was the third year that Shoppers has sponsored it. It used to be an actual run on Mother's Day and the funds that were raised. This year was in 2020 was the first year that the national program went virtual and so there was a virtual run. But I believe for Mood this will be the fourth year. Again, because both Eileen and I are new to the organization, the history that we have found, but in other cities it, it may be longer. Eileen, do you know anything different than what I just said? No, I think you covered it, Rita. Yeah, I started in June, but I believe the women's program has been around for quite a few years, like what Rita yeah. said. And at that time, I believe that the focus was, it was really getting started. We, we didn't have as much funding, I believe, at that time as well. So it was it was relatively new. So, But now we are looking at expanding. It was a very successful year for us in 2020 as a result. And with the work and dedication of staff like Eileen, we've been able to expand on another number of areas. So for anybody just joining in, this is Engage on 101.5 UMFM, and we have been talking to Rita and Eileen of Mood Disorders Manitoba. Yeah, so this is really profound hearing the different perspective, hearing the inside view of, of an organization like this in the middle of a time like this. I see just looking at your website that you've been making lots of efforts to adapt to this, this new world in which something like being close to someone is so necessary and is now something that you can't really do all the time online and stuff I'll say one thing. Uh, we keep hearing the term social distancing, social distancing, social distancing. Everyone uses that term. And while we absolutely acknowledge um, the importance of making sure that we all abide by the government rules and, and, and the recommendations from the health professionals, we try very hard not to use that term social distancing. We really try to talk about the importance of physical distance, but to remain socially engaged. And I think that's an important distinction that people need to recognize. You do not want to socially distance from anyone, or at least the support system that you have in place. Mm. But yes, let's make sure that we stay physically distanced for the health and safety of ourselves, our community, and our loved ones. I love that. That's something that I think people, people, people forget, and they keep using. I don't like it when they say social distancing. We should not be socially distanced. The language is very important. Yeah, language is very important and, you know, we've had to adapt. Um, mood disorders is well known for its open door policy to people wanting help. They can come in on a one-time visit or need longer, whatever the case might be. We absolutely, you know, protect people's privacy and things like that. And so it was a very active organization in terms of physically active engagement here at the office in our physical space at Fort Street. However, with the pandemic and the need for physical distancing, we had to move everything on online. Now that, as you can imagine, created a whole new set of um, rules and tools that had to be developed on short notice. And organizations like ours had to suddenly find resources on how do you do that. So everything had to move online. It's not something that we had done a lot of previously, but again, it was a way that had to be pivoted very quickly. I know we, we all use the word pivot, but that's exactly what we had. Uh, everyone had to do is pivot. The challenge of that, of course, was that a lot of the people, Josh, that used to come to us were often in situations in their mental health journeys where they needed, where they needed a support system. 
the other people that came here were their support system, right? So being in the presence of others, talking about issues, many of them were low income. And so for them to have access to technology, to computers, to phones, or even in some cases, internet, that has become an issue or a cause for concern because mm -hmm. not everyone can have that accessibility. Not everyone has those tools in place. Not everyone has smartphones. So how do you service them when everything has gone online? So that is something that we, we are struggling with. We want to be back at the day when we can open our doors and we can have people in our office physically and be able to provide that peer support that, that's necessary for, for the wellness. The other thing is I think that the importance of staying engaged even after you, you've been able to uh, get some level of, of recovery. Certainly what we found is by going online and by doing getting more engaged in social media and things yeah. like that, we reached out to a whole new group of demographic of, of individuals who may have not heard about mood disorders or who may not know about peer support. They didn't know, but now, but they have the tools and the resources and, and, and socially uh, and engaged on social media. So we were able to reach out to those and, and found and were able to provide the supports to those individuals. So I think we have to, as an organization, weigh out those challenges. Obviously, we lost a lot of people. Some people we can't get a hold of because there's no way other than their physical address uh, to get to them. Uh, and they're not being supported uh, because they don't have the tools to be to be able to engage. So I, I, I very much, those are some, uh, you know, things that policy decision makers or legislative decision makers have to be aware of. We'll try and provide that information if asked. Eileen, do you have any comments about, you know, the engagement of the the, the, the groups that you've been working with? Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I guess I briefly touched on the women's wellness, but for the women's speaker series, we also held that online and that was very successful. Um, we were able to do that through our Facebook um, account and we would hold an online speaker series once a week, every Thursday for about three months. And that was giving people a voice to feel like their stories were heard and give them empowerment, but also inspire and encourage others who are struggling to seek out help and support. Other than that, like Rita said, we also have our postpartum warm line, which is a phone call or text. So that wasn't affected. And then we also have our women's peer support group, which will be coming up. That will be online as well. So we've shifted and made the adjustments and I think that we're doing well so far, um, but definitely looking forward to uh, the restrictions uh, lifting a bit when we can come in person again and you know, have a different kind of connection with our clients. And, and in, in addition to the women's program, we've also have other programming. Of, you know, we are a provincial organization. We've got offices um, and, and staff in other parts of the, the province in the various regions. Um, and so, you know, in many ways that we've actually come closer to each other, so that we stay engaged with those regions much more. Um, but one of the things that we found was that people, the need for people to stay connected, we were getting calls of people who just wanted to talk, right? Sometimes it's just that loneliness. So we created what we call a friendly caller program in which we have volunteers and we rely quite heavily on our volunteers as well, who will reach out to people on a regular basis. If somebody wants to register for our friendly caller program, um, they can, and we'll call them on a regular basis. We'll set up a time between a volunteer and a peer support worker to engage with them. So there are things like, you know, kind of make sure that people may be taking their meds if that's what's necessary. Maybe do they need help to get to the grocery store or just to talk. So that a friendly caller program is one that is there. People want to, to be engaged in it, call us and, and register for it. 
we have folks on the other side who are very happy to engage with you. And the other thing that, you know, the, the MAD camp that Eileen and I talked about earlier, it was certainly a very successful program. Eileen was one of the counselors in that. And um, the young uh, kids between 13 and 17 who benefited from that was, was just so exciting. And as a result, um, we um, then were able to offer, uh, through our youth program, a winter edition online on the dance and art. And so this was targeted to an older group. Uh, but again, I think anyone from, you know, any of your listeners could certainly be uh, part of that for our next session in the winter. As well, uh, you know, if we get all the funding that we're hoping for, students can might be able to apply to be a counselor in our MAD camp this summer. So, you know, we would be hiring once we get some funding approval for, for, for running our MAD camp again, and if the, the restrictions get lifted. So just keep that in mind. Keep up watching our website which uh, we're working on in terms of updating. We, we hope to have a new website in the next few months um, and uh, more information to follow. Sweet. That's awesome. So the website as of right now for people who may be listening and, and feeling like they want to, to reach out, the website is the best resource for that? Uh, yes, and then there's, there should be information or the best resource is just pick up the phone, give us a call. Our information is on the website. If someone doesn't answer your call, immediately leave a message and someone will get back. We do provide um, peer support during the week, um, but on the weekend, there isn't the same level of service. Um, but whatever your need is, give us your phone number and try to get back to you if we don't answer right away. And we'll work with you to get make sure you get the help you need. So just for anyone who's only listening on the radio, that is mooddisordersmanitoba.ca. And the phone number, I'm not sure which number would be the first one people should call to. Yeah, it would be a 204-786-0987. Sweet. Okay. That's amazing. The program folks always know the right information. EDs don't always know the right information. <laughs> You guys have spoken to some some really, really great points. I think that uh, mental health is just so important, especially right now. And, you know, even even before the pandemic, after the pandemic of things and when things open up again, it's going to continue to be an important conversation and one that we should all talk about and focus on. And so I think you guys are doing great work in the community and you've brought up some really great points and perspectives and really excited that people can get an opportunity to learn more about you. Thank you. Thank you. It was our pleasure. Thank you so much. So this has been a conversation with Mood Disorders Manitoba with Engage on 101.5 UMFM. Thank you guys so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Yeah, you as well. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. Bye. Bye.